Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us the privilege of life. Glory be unto your name, dear Lord. Lord, we are in this world to bring glory and praise to your name and we know that we have but a few short years to live or moments as it were. Therefore, Lord, we want to improve the time that we have to live on this earth and use it to the glory of your name in perfecting our character and we pray lord that as we go through your words now that it shall help to fulfill that purpose in our lives therefore we pray grant us of your spirit grant us wisdom grant us understanding sanctify us lord with your word therefore put your words in my mouth that the words spoken may be spirit and life to your children who hunger and test for righteousness please feel us lord increase our faith that as we study your word we may continue to grow in grace and knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Conflict and Courage July 20. More blessed to give. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. Read the story of the widow of Sarepta. To this woman in a hidden land God sent his servant in time of famine to ask for food. Wonderful was the hospitality shown to God's prophet by this Phoenician woman, and wonderfully were her faith and generosity rewarded. God has not changed. His power is no less now than in the days of Elijah. To his faithful servants today, as well as to his first disciples, Christ's words apply. He that receiveth you, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. Matthew chapter 10 verse 40. No act of kindness shown in his name will fail to be recognized and rewarded. In the same tender recognition, Christ includes even the feeblest and lowliest of the family of God. Whosoever shall give to drink, he says, unto one of these little ones, those who are as children in their faith and their knowledge of Christ, a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Matthew chapter 10 verse 42. Poverty need not shut us out from showing hospitality. We are to impart what we have. There are those who struggle for a livelihood and who have great difficulty in making their income meet their necessities, but they love Jesus in the person of his saints and are ready to show hospitality to believers and unbelievers, trying to make their visits profitable. At the family board and the family altar, the guests are made welcome. The season of prayer makes its impression on those who receive entertainment. 
and even one visit may mean the saving of a soul from death. For this work, the Lord makes a reckoning, saying, I will repay. Man doth not live by bread only, and as we impart to others our temporal food, so we are to impart hope and courage and Christ-like love. And the assurance is ours, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is More Blessed to Give. Still looking at the story of the woman of Sarepta, the widow, who was instrumental in sustaining the life of God's prophet Elijah, we are going to draw out some lessons. After she had made that bread and given to Elijah, we read yesterday in the book of First Kings chapter 17, verse 16, it says, And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. And it came to pass after this. So, here, we understood that the Lord blessed her in feeding her with temporal food as she decided to feed Elijah. Not just feeding Elijah, but rather, it was that she decided to put his life first. That was actually what she did. Feeding Elijah was not the issue, but actually putting him first before herself was the remarkable thing that this woman did. And not only did God bless her with food, but the presence of Elijah in her home brought a greater blessing to her. In verse 17 it says, And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid, up, laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house, and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Amen. The first thing that comes to my mind as I read this story is the passage in Hebrews, Hebrews 13 verse 2 that says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. What the woman did here was a fulfillment of this Hebrews 13 verse 2. She entertained someone who was a stranger to her, Elijah. What evidence did the woman have that the word of Elijah will come to pass? 
Why was it that she listened to his voice when he told her to give him bread first and after that she should feed herself and that the cruise and the wheat will not fail? Why did she listen to him? The only reason would be that she understood that this man was in need. She had no means or any way to verify that Elijah was a man of God. He just came to her and told her what to do. What would you do were you to be in her shoes? Would you ask, who is this man? What makes me think that what you say will come to pass? If it were me, I wouldn't do what the woman did because I was told that the bread will not fail and the oil will not fail. I wouldn't do it because I'm, I don't know you. I wouldn't say I'm skeptical, but the fact is I don't know Elijah and I don't know he's a man of God. He hasn't shown me any evidence that he's a man of God. The only reason I will give him food first is I think the same reason the woman gave him food. He was in need. That was it. As for the blessing that came later, yes, Elijah did say that that blessing will come. But my point is, there was no evidence to show that this man is a man of God. There was no evidence to show that what he said will come to pass. She did it because she saw the man was in need and she gave to him. And she received more blessing than she would have received if she did not give Elijah that food. She first of all was able to be sustained for three and a half years at least, or at most rather, or less, more or less, three and a half years. And more than that, when her son was sick to the point of death, Elijah was there to restore her son's health to him. In entertaining strangers, like the Bible says, some have entertained angels unawares. This woman did entertain angels, not in the form of Elijah, but the presence of Elijah in that house brought angels to that home. In entertaining Elijah, she was entertaining angels. And angels were in her home. The Lord himself was in that home. And she received the blessings of the Lord. This woman believed in God. For her to do what she did, she had to have properly evaluated the importance of her life in comparison to that of Elijah. Here was her and her child's life in comparison to that of Elijah and she decided that she would give the food to Elijah. She knew she was no prophet or evangelist. She wasn't, she wasn't entertaining the idea that her life was equal in value with that of Elijah. She esteemed Elijah as being more better than herself. I take that again. In comparison, she said to herself, Elijah's life is more important than mine. That's basically what her actions showed. And this is what the Bible teaches that we should do in Philippians 2, reading from verse 2. It says, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord or um, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better, not equal now, better than themselves. This is a hard lesson for some to um, take in. It's very hard not to chew. But it is what the word of God expects us to do. He says, look not, on the, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And what is the mind? The mind of looking and esteeming others as better than ourselves. The widow of Zarephath esteemed Elijah's life as better than herself and her son's own life and decided to give him the food that was the last meal that she had. And like she said earlier, she was going to die. She thought about it and felt, what is the point? If I eat, I'm going to die. If I don't eat, I'm still going to die. So there's no need to be greedy. 
And it's not because of the famine, even today, as we live. If we give, eventually, we will still come to an end of our lives. And if we don't give, we are still going to come to an end of our lives. That is, we will die one day. All of us are going to die. Do not think that it is by withholding that you are preserving your life. If you withhold, you will still die. If you give, you will still die. And that's why the Bible says it is better to give than to receive. In the book of Acts chapter 20 verse 35, Paul was the one who said this. He said, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. But why is it more blessed? Because in giving, the Lord comes into the picture to ensure that that which which we give will be multiplied to us. In self-abnegation and self-denial, this widow considered Elijah's life and preservation of his life as better than hers. She took the risk of being the one who should die rather than Elijah. Even though she couldn't preach or pray for rain or drought, she knew she could do one thing she could give to sustain the one who God was using for his great work. And this she did not hesitate to do. How many today can do this? How many can firstly admit their role in the work of God and properly and humbly accept their role and understand that though we are all equal in the sight of God, yet we are to esteem others better than ourselves. We don't hear her accusing Elijah of insensitivity or claiming that her life is equal in value to his. Therefore, she won't give him the bread. She obeyed and she was rewarded. This will be the case for all who sincerely do the same thing. In the book of Matthew chapter 10, reading from verse 40 to 41, the Lord says to us, He that receiveth you, that is, when we receive those who are doing the work of God, because Elijah represents that person who is a minister of the Lord. He says, He that receiveth you, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet, in the name of a prophet, shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man, in the name of a righteous man, shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Amen. As God had his servants in the past, he also has them now. And anyone who in a bid to support the servants of God, no matter how small the gift is, they will not lose their reward. As we read today in Conflict and Courage, page 207, paragraph 3, we are told, God has not changed. His power is no less now than in the days of Elijah. To his faithful servants today, as well as to his first disciples, Christ's words apply. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. No act of kindness shown in his name will fail to be recognized and rewarded. And in the same tender recognition, Christ includes even the feeblest and lowliest of the family of God. Whosoever shall give to drink, he says, unto one of these little ones, those who are as children in their faith and their knowledge of Christ, a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Amen. End of quote. You see, this applies to both the poor and to the rich. 
that is God's reward. It is not according to how much we give, but according to how much love prompts the giving. So, in this story of the woman, the widow of Zarephath and Elijah, we learn the lesson that Jesus is teaching us today. It still applies that when we see people who are doing the work of God and you give them support, like I said, this woman, she couldn't preach. She is not the type who will pray for the rain not to fall for three and a half years. She knew she couldn't do that. But there was something she could do. She could lend a helping hand to the man who was doing the work of God. In what way? Not with money, but in hospitality. She opened her home for Elijah to live in. And Elijah stayed there comfortably. She tended to his needs. You see, it's not just the giving of bread to Elijah that mattered. Elijah had both food and shelter in that woman's uh, hospitality. And much more than that, you can tell that there were other needs Elijah would have had that this woman would be ministering to him. In ministering to Elijah, guess what? She is going to receive the same reward as Elijah. That is what Jesus said, that you will receive the prophet's reward. Doesn't mean that you are going to receive a reward like a prophet will give you a reward. No. What that means is the reward that God will give to that prophet, he will give to the person who supports the prophet. So in this sense now, Elijah and that woman will receive the same reward because the Lord said in Matthew 10 verse 41 that if we receive a prophet in the name of a prophet that we will receive a prophet's reward this still applies today and if we receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man that you will receive a righteous man reward what is the receiving being referred to here it is hospitality we need to learn to show hospitality especially to those who are doing the work of god why is that so because in receiving them what did jesus say you are receiving me how would you like Jesus to be in your home? Wouldn't you love to be hospitable to him? Wouldn't you love to tend to Jesus' needs? Wouldn't you love to be the one who is fetching the water for him? Who is preparing the food for him? Who is giving him the food to eat? Who is dressing his bed? Who is laying it for him? Who is going to buy the things that he needs and giving it to him? Who is sitting down at his feet and listening to him in, and, and, and hearing his word? Wouldn't you like that? Do you want to do that? then you can do it for his servants today. Those who are doing the work of God, when we do it for them, when we minister to them, we are ministering to Jesus himself. And Jesus said in Matthew 10 verse 41, that when you minister to Jesus, you are ministering to the person that sent him. And who sent Jesus? The Father. What a privilege we have to do something for the Father. If you are grateful to the Lord for what he has done for you in giving you food, shelter, clothing, life, it is important for you to know that in this spirit of reciprocity, you want to also do something for the Lord. You cannot pay him back, but there's that, if you have that spirit of reciprocity, you want to help, you want to, you want to show your love for him, for all that he has done for you. It is not by giving to Jesus. You can't see him to give to. It is his servants. And today, the servants of the Lord are those who are like Elijah. What did Elijah do? He put himself on the line to speak the word of the Lord faithfully to those who were in error. It is not those who are crying peace, peace and saying to people it shall be well. Elijah is the servant of the Lord. The servant of the Lord had a straight pointed testimony to give to the people of God. 
He is the one who prayed for the judgment to come upon the people of God. Three and a half years, no rain. Some only want to give to those who are praying for them, for them to prosper. Elijah did not pray for Israel to prosper. He prayed for the judgment of God to come upon Israel. And how many will recognize such people today who are constantly rebuking the people of God? We read in the devotion two days ago that Elijah was like a minister and that ministers are to constantly present to the people their errors and their sins, not intermittently. We read that it's supposed to be constant. That is the work of God. And those who, like this widow, would be supporting such people, the Lord says, you will receive your reward and great will be your reward. Now, it is not about how much we give. Even the poor can give. It is not only the rich. And God does not measure what we give with respect to as in how much it is, but rather with how much love we give it with. Reading from Councils for the Churches, page 277, paragraph 2, it says, In the balances of the sanctuary, the gifts of the poor made from love to Christ are not estimated according to the amount given, but according to the love which prompts the sacrifice. I'll pause here to say also, we also should not appreciate that which we receive from people according to the amount given, but according to the love. Sometimes when people give you huge sums, oh, you are grateful and you shout, oh, thank you very much, thank you, and you're praising the person. But when somebody gives you something that you consider to be little, just thank you. Are you measuring what is given to you by how much is given or by how much love prompted it and how much sacrifice was made? The rich many times they give, the sacrifice is not so much because they still have so much that they can use for themselves. But when the poor gives like this widow, she gave all that she had. That was what she gave. If it was someone else who was rich that gave to Elijah, the person would not be giving all. But the widow gave all, all that she had in food she gave, in her shelter, all that she had she gave. And that is why what she gave was great. In fact, the greatest that can be given. Why? Because it is all that she could give that she gave to Elijah. Continuing the reading, it says, The promises of Jesus will assuredly be realized by the liberal poor man who has but little to offer but who gives that little freely as by the wealthy man who gives of his abundance. The poor man makes a sacrifice of his little which he really feels. He really denies himself of some things that he needs for his own comfort, while the wealthy man gives of his abundance and feels no want, denies himself nothing that he really needs. Therefore, there is a sacredness in the poor man's offering that is not found in the rich man's gift, for the rich give of their abundance. God's providence has arranged the entire plan of systematic benevolence for the benefit of man. His providence never stands still. If God's servants follow his opening providence, all will be active workers. Amen. End of quote. So, that is just reiterating what I had said and it's an encouragement to you, whether rich or poor, but especially the poor, for you to know that there is a sacredness in your giving and I don't want our minds to dwell on giving money and giving food, but also giving your time to the work of God and giving your mind to God for him to teach you so that you can also be an instrument to comfort others, to bless others, and to teach others. And you are doing it, not because of what you are going to get out of it, but because you see the need. 
You see a sister in need and she needs assistance in the sense of advice and counsel or a brother needs counsel and you make yourself available giving your time and your own experience and wisdom to counsel the person though you will not lose your reward and you see another one in need and what do they need food some of them need counsel you see if we estimate what counsel has done for people oh my you see that counseling is a very important work that has saved many a soul from death and then you see somebody in need of clothing or of food or you need some you see somebody who is in need of empowerment in the sense of a skill you need to teach them impart your knowledge impart your skill to others and you are blessing them but more especially it's like i've said earlier the blessing of the two-way blessing of supporting those who are doing the work of god and the blessing of those who are doing the work of god giving their intelligence their knowledge and their spiritual blessings to those who are in need very important thing and it's sacred when the poor gives why because they are really making a sacrifice that is pinching them that is it is a sacrifice that makes them to deny themselves of something that they actually need and they give to others reading again from testimonies volume 3 page 402 we are told when we consider the infinite sacrifice made for the salvation of men we are lost in amazement when selfishness clamors for the victory in the hearts of men and they are tempted to withhold their due portion in any good work they should strengthen their principles of right by the thought that he who was rich in heaven's priceless treasure turned away from it all and became poor he had not where to lay his head and all this sacrifice was in our behalf that we might have eternal riches christ set his own feet in the path of self-denial and sacrifice which all his disciples must travel if they will be exalted with him at last he took to his own heart the sorrows which man must suffer the minds of worldly men frequently become gross they can see only earthly things which eclipse the glory and value of heavenly things uh, and i'll pause here to say that this is what stifles giving but why I'm going through this reading now is for us to understand or to have a motivation to give. And when we look at our Lord Jesus and how much he left in heaven to come down here to become poor, to give to us, it should stir us in our hearts to realize that we are not to withhold from the Lord, but rather we are to see how much we can give. And take note, this is not just referring to giving tithes and offering. No, giving your time, giving yourself to be used for the Lord's work, giving your resources giving your intelligence consecrating it to god to be used for his work but the problem is that many love money and that's why the worldly men they put their minds on riches and it eclipses the glory and the value of heavenly things going on in the reading it says men will compass land and sea for earthly gain and endure privation and suffering to obtain their object yet will turn away from heaven's attractions and not regard eternal riches men who are in comparative poverty are usually the ones who do the most to sustain the cause of god they are generous with their little they have strengthened their generous impulses by continual liberalities when their expenditures pressed close upon their income their passion for earthly riches had no room or chance to strengthen amen but you know something it is very easy to give when you are poor than when you are rich and that is why the poor man shouldn't look at the rich man feeling like, oh, I'm rich, I'm more liberal than yourself because you don't know the temptation of the rich. Continuing the reading, it says, but many 
many, even that poor person, when they begin to gather earthly riches, commence to calculate how long it will be before they can be in possession of a certain sum. In their anxiety to amass wealth for themselves, they fail to become rich towards God. Their benevolence does not keep pace with their accumulation. As their passion for riches increases, their affections are bound up with their treasure. The increase of their property strengthens the eager desire for more, until some consider that they are giving to the Lord a tenth, that's the tithe, is a severe and unjust tax. Inspiration has said, If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Many have said, If I were as rich as such a one, I would multiply my gifts to the treasury of God. I would do nothing else with my wealth but use it for the advancement of the cause of God. God has tested some of these by giving them riches. But with the riches came the fiercer temptation and their benevolence was far less than in the days of their poverty. A grasping desire for greater riches absorbed their minds and hearts and they committed idolatry. He who presents to men infinite riches and an eternal life of blessedness in his kingdom as a reward of faithful obedience will not accept a divided heart. We are living amid the perils of the last days where there is everything to divert the mind and allure the affections from God. Our duty will only be discerned and appreciated when viewed in the light which shines from the life of Christ. As the sun rises in the east and passes toward the west, filling the world with light, so the true follower of Christ will be a light unto the world. He will go out into the world as a bright and shining light that those who are in darkness may be lightened and warmed by the rays shining forth from him. Christ says to his, of his followers, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Our great exemplar was self-denying and shall the course of his professed followers be in such marked contrast to his? The Savior gave all for a perishing world, not withholding even himself. The church of God are asleep. Take note, it is blessed to give. That's the title of our devotion. How much did our Savior give? He gave all till there was nothing else that he could give. He gave even his own life. This is an example for us. The church of God are asleep. They are enfeebled by inaction. Voices come to us from every part of the world. Come over and help us. But there is no answering movement. There is a feeble effort now and then. A few show that they would be co-workers with their master. But such are frequently left to toil almost alone. There is but one missionary from our people in all the wide field in foreign countries. The truth is mighty, but it is not carried into practice. It is not sufficient to lay money. This is what I've been saying since. It is not sufficient to lay money alone upon the altar. God calls for men, volunteers, to carry the truth to other nations and tongues and people. It is not our numbers nor our wealth that will give us a signal victory but it is devotion to the work, moral courage, ardent love for souls, and untiring, unflagging zeal." So here we are being told what it is blessed to give, you know that's the title of our devotion. It is also blessed to give your time to going around to preach the word of God to people. People are perishing. What people are perishing from today is not lack of food. 
what the world needs is a revelation of the truth to them. While it is good to give your morsel, while it is good to accommodate people and be hospitable to people, the best thing you can do for this world is to give to them the saving truth of the word of God. God needs your money, but more than your money, he needs you. He needs your time, he needs your energy, he needs your resources, he needs your intelligence, he needs your talent of speech, he needs your skills to be used to give to those who are in need. As the woman of Zarephath gave to Elijah, the lesson for us today is that it is blessed for us to give. There is a reward, the Lord says, for all those who will give, not just their money, but also will give their energy and their time to carry the word of God to those who do not have it. We must learn to do this. Reading now, there's another thing we need to understand in giving, that the best way to support is not just by leaving your inheritance for your children. I'm reading, I'm going to read this now because sometimes people think that, oh, I must leave all my inheritance for my children. What if your children are not following the way of the Lord? Just hear what I have to read now. I know this may sound startling to many, but this is from Testimony Volume 3, page, page 399. It says, those who withhold from the treasury of God and hoard their means for their children endanger the spiritual interest of their children. They place their property, which is a stumbling block to themselves, in the pathway of their children, that they may stumble over it to perdition. Many are making a great mistake in regard to the things of this life. They economize, withholding from themselves and others the good they might receive from a right use of the means which God has lent them and become selfish and avaricious. They neglect their spiritual interests and become dwarfs in religious growth, all for the sake of accumulating wealth which they cannot use. They leave their property to their children and nine times out of ten, it is even a greater curse to their heirs than it has been to themselves. Children relying upon the property of their parents often fail to make a success of this life and generally utterly fail to secure the life to come. The very best legacy which parents can leave their children is a knowledge of useful labor and the example of a life characterized by disinterested benevolence. By such a life, they show the true value of money, that it is only to be appreciated for the good that it will accomplish in relieving their own wants and the necessities of others and in advancing the cause of God. Some are willing to give according to what they have and feel that God has no further claims upon them because they have, no, they have not a great amount of means. They have no income that they can spare from the necessities of their families. But there are many of this class who might ask themselves the question, Am I giving according to, to what I might have had? God designed that their powers of body and mind should be put to use. Some have not improved to the best account the ability that God has given them. Labor is a portion to man. It was connected with the curse because made necessary by sin. The physical, mental, and moral well-being of man makes a life of useful labor necessary. Be not slothful in business is the injunction of the inspired apostle. So here it is that we are learning two things. Firstly, God is saying to you, it's not the best that you leave your inheritance for your children all the time. It is very important that you learn to give it to the work of God. Nothing wrong in giving something to your children, but you must remember that it's also important to leave your inheritance, some of it, for the work of God. 
And secondly, it is not only about money like I have been saying, even our strength should be given to the work of God. It is no virtue to claim that we have nothing when one has not tried to have something to give. We should try. It is not enough to just say, oh, I don't have anything to give. I'm poor. Have you tried to have something to give? It is important that you learn to work, to labor with your hands so that you can have something to give. In sustaining the prophet, that woman was also sustained and her son's life was preserved. We need to make ourselves relevant to God. The woman was not a preacher like I have said before, but as one who sustained the prophet, God blessed her as her life had purpose and meaning. She was serving a purpose in this life. And because of that, God sustained her. What argument can you give to God as to why he should spare your life? Are you relevant to him or are you just a cumbera of the ground? We need to make ourselves relevant to God and receive the blessing of the Lord. If this woman was not sustaining Elijah, she would have eaten that food and her and son will die. But because she became relevant to the work of God and sustained the prophet of the Lord, her own life was also sustained. She had meaning, her life had purpose and in doing that, her life was preserved, her son's life was preserved. As opposed to if she was not involved in the work of God, do you know that you can preserve your life and your children's life by involving yourself in the work of God? Because of the relevance you have to God, God will sustain you. When he sees that it is through this person that the ministry is being sustained, when he understands that it is through this person that the work of God is being done, whether you are preaching or you are giving any of the two, the Lord sees that this person is necessary to my work, I will sustain her, I will sustain him because of what I see them doing. The Lord says to us, Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1 and 2, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven. On, and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall come upon the earth. Verse 4 and 5 says, He that observeth the wind shall not sow. That is, if you keep checking your money in your account and say, No, I don't have enough yet, you will never give. And he that regarded the clouds shall never reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how bone, the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. Amen. So the Lord is encouraging us, do not give necessarily because you are seeing where you are going to get the results. Cast your bread upon the waters. You don't know which one is going to yield results. Preach to everyone. Give to those who are in need, especially to the word, to those who are doing the work of God. And you, as you sustain it, the Lord will sustain you. And you don't know which one is ever going to have good results. But just do it for the sake of God. Luke 6 verse 38, our Lord Jesus said, Give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. Give your time, give your energy, give your resources, give yourself over to God for him to use you to be a blessing to others in preaching the word of God to others, the truth of his word. Give your resources, give your money to the work of God. And Jesus says, it shall be given back unto you, but not the same way you give it, but in good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and overflowing, running over, it will come back to you. This is a spiritual principle, and it is more blessed to give. That is what the Lord will have us learn today.
but that doesn't mean you just go about giving only money you should also give counsel to people it is not every time you see a poor person that all they need is food and money no some of them need direction they need to be empowered they need to be given uh, advice on how to sustain themselves and that is sometimes the best thing i would say most times that's the best thing you can do for them empowerment but all all earthly empowerment is nothing compared to spiritual empowerment what is spiritual empowerment giving people the knowledge of the truth if you give people food they will die even in this world if you give them accommodation and shelter at the end of the day you have not saved their lives the only thing you can give that will save people's life is the truth in the word of god john 17 verse 3 and this is life eternal that they might know thee the only true god and jesus christ whom thou hast sent giving people a knowledge of god and of jesus christ that is the best giving that you can do and supporting those who are doing that giving you are as well giving to, to giving the knowledge of the truth that is even though you cannot give the knowledge of the truth yourself when you are supporting those who are giving that knowledge of the truth you also are doing the same work that that person is doing and that is the best and highest form of giving that we can engage ourselves in may the lord bless those who are involved in that work let us pray dear father in heaven we thank you for bringing to our knowledge the blessedness of giving and i pray lord that you will inspire in us through these words the lesson from this woman of Zarephath that it is better to give and may we do it selflessly as our Lord Jesus did not considering himself but considering us better than himself not necessarily expecting anything in return help us Lord to give whether it is our knowledge our intelligence our skill our time our money and help us to have that mind that is selfless that we are not thinking of what we are going to get out of it but rather we are thinking of the need of others. Inspire us with this spirit, O Lord, that we may become partakers of the divine nature of our Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.